Welcome to our podcast, Just Us, where the premise is based on the scripture from 2 Corinthians 7-2, make room for us in your hearts. Today, we are going to talk about colorism, what it means, the history of it, and how it has affected us and our special guest in this episode. We hope you stay tuned. Yes, and you could find us on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please give us a five-star rating and review so we could continue doing this work. It's going to be the tip of the iceberg, and there's going to be more podcasts to come in this topic, so we hope you stay tuned and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone. Um, This episode, we're going to definitely be diving into colorism. And before we dive into colorism, for those who don't know, I definitely want to uh, give you the definition that we found on what colorism is. So colorism is prejudice or discrimination against individuals with a dark skin tone, typically among people of the same ethnic or racial group. So this is what colorism is, right? And I want to give you a brief um, history lesson on uh, how it started with colorism. So uh, one of the things when slavery happened, Willie Lynch and the Jim Crow law, what they were scared of was slaves to revolt. So what they did was they did a strategic plan that had um, slaves that were in the home and slaves that were in the field. And then they treated those slaves that were in the home a little better than the ones that were in the the field. So as the slaves were seeing this, uh, they were wondering why. And one of the things that the, the masters would do would Um, have the lighter slaves in the home. So once they see that the darker um, slaves, well, yeah, the darker slaves were on the field, they would, you know, treat them a little better. So this was brought up the colorism. Now they amongst themselves would not like each other because of how they've been treated because of the master. So colorism started from there and onward until now. And we're going to have like different stories uh, we have Bianca here and Nita here, uh, our guests that are going to tell them, tell us about their story and how they dealt with colorism. So, Bianca, um, we know we have, we have experienced uh, uh, colorism, especially here in the 21st century. And I want to know about your um, experience dealing with that. So, my experience with colorism, um, it's... It's a lot, <laughs> you know. Well, first, I, before you really get going, yes. tell us your your name, your full name, oh, and yes. where you're from, where you yeah. were born. Thank you. you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so my name is Bianca Frila Marchetes Talakua, and uh, I was born in Indonesia. So I, I identify as Indo-Melanesian because nation, nationally, um, I am from Indonesia, but the island of Indonesia contains... 17,000 plus different islands. And so there's a lot of ethnicities and a lot of different ethnic backgrounds. And so um, so for me, identifying as Melanesian as well is because, so my, my father is from the Eastern side of the islands. And before the Dutch colonized Indonesia, um, he is, his island, Maluku, is a part of um, a group of other islands known as Melanesia Islands. And so, um, so for us, I feel like our history is deeply rooted in colonialism and what happened to which to Indonesia um, 350 plus years ago. Um, and so I feel like my experiences um, 
with colorism and with my own history and personal background of even being in my own community has been very interesting to, <laughs> to say the least, you know, because I feel like it'll be as little as like if I go to school and, you know, they make you fill out these little, um, when you take tests and they ask you, oh, what is your ethnic background? And it's like either am I Asian or am I Pacific Islander? And there's so many different questions when I would go into um, spaces where it's filled with all other people from my Indonesian community, but they would also not um, know if, uh, if I am Indonesian as well or if I'm not. And I'm often mistaken as a lot of different ethnic backgrounds as well. Um, and so I feel like throughout my childhood, um, I had a weird imposter syndrome, I think, mm -hmm. in regards to who I am as a person, why I identify as. Um, and it was a lot for me because I, for for my mom's island, she was she's a little bit more central. And so she's a little bit closer to the Western islands. Um, they The Western islands closer to the mainland had, they were brown skin as well, but there's been a lot of like mixes and things like that. So some of them had like a lighter skin tone. Um, and then as you go more east, there's definitely darker skin tones. Um, Eastern islands include Maluku, Papua, Fiji, Vanuatu, mm -hmm. and all those other islands. Um, and so I feel like growing up um, being in my mom's side of the family a lot, um, you know, I would get a lot of different criticisms about my skin tone and about my hair being curly. And I wouldn't feel like I fit in with a lot of the other Indonesian kids because most of the time they didn't really look like me. But at the same time, I didn't really understand my own history, my own background. Um, I feel like there, there's a whole other history to that too because my, my parents, they, um, they kind of got divorced in when I was younger as well. And so there's a part of my history um, that I didn't reconcile with when I was younger, right? And so being around my mom's community, it was hard because I didn't really understand my own background in regards to the other side, the Islander side of my my complexion and things like that. And so I wouldn't really understand when people would ask me, oh, like, are you actually really Indonesian? And I'm like, I think so. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, how it's, it's so hard for a kid to kind of answer questions like that because right. it's like, I mean, I assume so, you know, and there'll be little, you know, I mean, kids are evil sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and so the younger right. kids, you know, they go up to you and they'd be like, are you sure you're not adopted or this, this, this? And I didn't know how to answer because hmm. I don't know why I looked different at the time, you know? And so I feel like, um, and, and then, you know, as, and then coming to America and as women of color here, it's not like it got any better. You know, and so um, beauty standards, I feel like, was a big thing growing up for me. Um, being told to be afraid of the sun, to not get too tan, um, or being complimented because I decided to straighten my hair that day. And so um, my experience with that was that um, when I was complimented for my for straightening my hair, then I decided to keep it straight for the longest time. And so I, I straightened it every single day, and it felt like this normal, um, this normal routine I guess you wake up and you know you put on your makeup or whatever you go ready for school and I straightened my hair that was just a part of my routine I didn't see it as anything terrible or anything that was like I don't know um out of the ordinary it just mm -hmm. felt normal to just do it you know to feel like oh yeah my hair is just a little bit harder to take care of but the standard of what I should look like day by day wow. was that wow. I was supposed to have this cleaner looking you know, look and the clean looking look would identify with more of a Eurocentric ideal of straight hair. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, but you know, that's stuff that I don't really, it wasn't until later that I just kind of thought to myself, like, this is not, this isn't, this isn't it. <laughs> this is not what I'm trying to do. So I feel like my history with that, um, which I hope I'll be able to go in a bit more with my dad's history and the history of our islands, mm -hmm. um, in this podcast in regards to colonization and how it, kind of affected 
a lot of Southeast Asia and Pacific mm -hmm. Islands in that region because the um, the skin bleaching um, industry is, I think tw in 2020, they're worth $8 billion, yeah. which is yeah. kind of crazy when you consider everything in 2020 while everything else is happening, right? The industry is still, yep, the industry was still making yeah. money. So it's kind of like, what, the, what is happening? You know, so, yeah, I hope to touch more on that. But I feel like um, for me, it was a lot of growing up being different, feeling different, um, being treated like I was different and um, not feeling as beautiful as I should have felt when I was younger. Wow. Wow. You said a lot of key things, mm -hmm. which we are definitely going to um, uh, hit on. And I appreciate that, the, the, the story that you have given us. Uh, Nita, how about you? Uh, give us, who are you? Like, tell us. What, Hi, everyone. <laughs> well, my name is Nita Salazar. Uh, I was born in San Francisco, but I grew up in Mexico from newborn until, well, from year one until the age of 18. So I grew up in Mexico, completely like, um, complete 100% Mexican. My parents are from Mexico, but I, I do, um, um, I know what you're saying about the family and out all the standards with the colors and everything. So we are, um, we have, I have four, I have three sisters, we're four girls and, um, and one of my sisters uh, has uh, darker skin. So the three, uh, uh, yeah, we have three clear skin and the other one is uh, it's a little bit darker. And it was very interesting that my mom, since we were very young, she was telling us and saying um, her pain at the hospital when uh, the family went to visit her. And she said, oh, you got your little black ducky. Oh, wow. And she felt very bad because she said that, you know, she felt that it was very, very disrespectful. Wow. And they say, you know, every color mm -hmm. should be you know, it, it's wonderful. You shouldn't be like criticized or think less. Mm -hmm. But um, it's something that my sister really struggled uh, because growing up, she was labeled as the black ugly ducky, Whoa. and um, it was pretty bad. And it helped, and it really, really um, affected her growing up. And I and I saw her experience because she's the sister that she's. I am very close with her, and um, but yeah. Even when uh, I came to this country at the age of 18, uh, I see the difference, still the difference in colors. I thought that by coming to the United States and having uh, a variety of cultures, having African-Americans and having people from the islands will make it better uh, or see less of difference. Right. But still, it's like it's even more highlighted in the difference or the tones of the skin. Um, when I came here, uh, many people told me in the streets, go back to your country. Mm -hmm. And something that I've never experienced before because I said, you know, I was born here in the States, yeah. but because of the color of my skin, and, I, and it's not like I am, I am like a darker color. I consider like, if you see the Hispanic community, uh, I've, I think like I'm in the medium mm -hmm. beige colors, how they call it. Uh, but yeah, I have experienced many times people telling me in the streets, go back to your country just by the color of my skin. Do you wow. think they also said that because of your accent? Too? Probably. Yep. Because, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Wow. Because yes. And it's not, you know, many people think that because, uh, we are Hispanic, uh, there is no, uh, racism between us, but there is mm -hmm. even between Hispanics. And then when you come to this country, that is like a, uh, many, many cultures, many, many uh, skin colors, you know, you see it more. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I hear a common theme here just from listening to you two, because 
as a black woman in America, you know, and I was born in America, but my, my parents, you know, they grew up, they were born and raised in, in the um, British colonial West Indies, mm -hmm. you know, so my, my father was born in Guyana in South America, but that's still considered part of the Caribbean for some reason, you know, and it's very British colonial. And, you know, he grew up in, in Barbados and he grew up in um, Dominica and Trinidad and Tobago and those little south southern islands. And my mother is 100 percent Jamaican, you know, and she and that's in the northern part of the Caribbean. You know, so I grew up with that culture. And in the Caribbean, when we lived in the Virgin Islands, because we lived, you know, we lived in the Virgin Islands before we came to the mainland. Um, in the, in the Caribbean, from my experience, it wasn't, you see color, you can't not see color. Mm. You know, you see shades, but most of my experience is, oh, which island is better than the other island, you mm. know, as far as food or music or culture or whatever, you know, but there's a rich heritage uh, celebrating that, you know, and there's flag waving, but it wasn't, oh, she's, you know, it, you could see the color or she's red or she's high yellow or she's whatever, you know, but it wasn't like a nasty thing per se, I don't think. Mm -hmm. um, and for me personally, uh, growing up in the Caribbean, you know, under that, that mindset of, you know, it's just about the islands it, per se. It wasn't just about your skin tone. Mm -hmm. I didn't experience um, colorism until we left the Virgin Islands and came to the U back to the mainland. Mm -hmm. And because I'm I'm considered a light skinned black woman. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I didn't know that was a thing with all my na naivety because we left when I was 14 and came here to the US when I was 14. And I started high school. Mm. Okay, now high school is so volatile. And like you said, kids can be evil, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and I got that, you know, I went to, I went to um, a very multiracial um, academy, Greater New York Academy, and in Queens, New York, you know, I'm coming from a little bitty island and going to this big concrete city, you know, and all these kids, they were Romanians, People I'd never even met before. There were, you know, people from India, from a lot of the Latino countries, mm -hmm. and a lot of black people from the Caribbean and all these other people. I'm like, wow. But the first thing I heard, I remember is these girls, um, I'm trying to fit in. I have an accent from the Caribbean, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm fit, trying to fit in and figure out where am I going. And all of a sudden I hear, oh, she light skin, you know, she, she's light skin. I'm like, well, what does that mean? I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> yeah. And I didn't understand at that time, you know, that it was a thing. Yeah. It didn't make sense to me. And I had to figure out what that was. And someone explained to me, oh, they don't like you because you're light skin. And like you said, Bianca, my hair, you know, the first time I got my hair relaxed or permed mm -hmm. or straightened, you know. Compliments. It, oh, it's so straight. Wow. But then I got, yeah. oh, you think you're white. Uh -huh. That's when that started. Oh. And I was like, what? I had no clue what that meant and, and how that would affect me for years and years and years, you know? So, you know, because I'm a light-skinned black man, all of a sudden the, 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 somebody explained to me, um, they think just because you light, you think just because you're light-skinned that you're better, you mm -hmm. know? And um, your hair is straight, so you're trying to pass for white. You know, the way you talk, you know, you think you're, you sound uppity and all these other things. And I had no clue why that was so crazy. Uh, because in the West Indies, 
at least for my parents in the British West Indies. Okay, that's very colonial. You're supposed to mm. speak proper English. Mm. You know, you're supposed to behave and conduct yourself a certain way so right. you don't embarrass your parents, right. you know, mm -hmm. and embarrass your family. Because my, my immediate family, my dad is very, you know, he's very dark skin. And um, my oldest brother is brown skin. And, you know, my other brother, he's a few shades darker than I am. And my sister, you know, I'm the lightest one in my family. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so when I went to an all black high school, I went from Greater New York Academy and I went to Northeastern Academy and that's an all black academy. And that's where all hell broke loose, mm. you know, and I had to really fight for my identity. Mm -hmm. yeah. So like like you had mentioned before, you know. The kids are like coming at you. Well, you're this and you're that. And like you're telling me who I am mm -hmm. at the point I even even know. So I had to really figure that out you know, for myself and what this colorism was and why did it exist and why is it a problem? Because back then it didn't seem like light-skinned black women were in style. Mm. You know, yeah. it was the popular, you know, and I was just like, wow. And then Spike Lee, uh, you know, the famous filmmaker, mm -hmm. he, he came out with the movie called School Days and it was about that very same thing, mm. about colorism. Yeah, yeah. And I that just like turned on lights and we're like, Oh my word, that's what it is. And it was so stupid, but mm -hmm. it was important <laughs> because of where it came from. Yeah. Right, right. You know, and we didn't know that. Um, and so when we we're experiencing, you know, how you grew up with your fathers from that part of the island or this part of Mexico, you know, your mother's from here. And then there's all this like intra, you know, Mixing. war and fighting mm -hmm. because of skin tone, you know, and it was kind of crazy. No, definitely, definitely. And one of the things that, um, uh, what's his name? Willie Lynch was so successful at, I hate to, see you, to, to say that word successful because, but it's, it's true, it's prevalent till today, is that if you, um, his, his idea was if you separate these groups, these group of people, especially people of color, um, they cannot come back together to, uh, to be, what's the word be successful enough to overpower another group so um one of the things that they did was if um if you wanted a job right after slavery if you wanted a job they would have a a, a brown paper bag test and a brown paper bag test is mm -hmm. uh they will put a brown paper bag and place it next to your face now if you're lighter than the brown paper bag you get the job Wow. Right, and if you're darker than the back on the on brown paper bag, you do not get the job. So, what do, does that do to uh, the person that actually gets the job? Like, wow, I, I could actually pass, mm -hmm. so I'm actually better than this person that is dark. So he used these tools to make sure that you would think you're better than this person when in actuality we are all the same. So it it, it been trickled down to. Even now, like uh, my, my nephew and my nieces, they always like team dark skin, team light skin. And I hate that, right? And it's just like, yo, you're just hating yourself. Because if you ask a white person, right, um, even if you're light or if you're dark, what are you? They're still going to say you're a black person, mm -hmm. right? There's no significant. You're still black. But in, in their mind, it's just like, well, I'm, I'm a light skin black because I, I, I look better or whatever the case might be. It cause so much division and one of the things that you were saying um bianca that's really uh essential is um 
what beauty is, right? When I was growing up <laughs> in the in the 90s, like I like the things that were shown on commercials or mm. the main characters with long hair, blue eyes. Like I used to watch Hercules. I don't know. It's, <laughs> yeah. um, Kevin Solbrook Hercules and he had the long hair. Yeah. And I'm like, man, I wish I had that long hair because this is what beauty is or uh, Fabio. I, I can't believe it's not oh butter. You know what I mean? Like th th that kind of commercial is just like, um, this is what a beautiful man looks like. Long, golden hair, whatever the case might be. And even for the women, they have to be really petite and blonde hair, blue eyes kind of situation. And it just, it just messed us up because I'm like, I've never seen people that look like me on television or you on television or you would need to uh, um, on television that looks what, what beauty really represents. And that impacts us as kids tremendously. Um, I, I'll, I'll make this last point and then you, got, you all could take the floor. Uh, I, I, there was a study where they had um, the dolls. I'm pretty sure you remember. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, they had a white doll and a black doll. Yeah. Remember those studies? Yeah. And they would have a, a, a black kid. It was like, which one is the best doll? And they picked the white doll. Which one is the pretty doll? They picked the white doll. Mm. Which one is the 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 nice doll? They picked the white doll. Which one is the mean doll? They picked the black doll. Which one is the ugly doll? They mm. picked the black doll. Which one is the um the mean um doll? They picked the black doll. And then they asked the question, and you can see the innocence on the kid. They asked, which doll looks like you? Mm. Right. That messed me up. Yeah, and then they right. And the the black kid was just like, the black doll looks like me. And it was like. But mm -hmm. why did you say all these evil things yep. about the black doll? And this was the one that actually looks like mm -hmm. you. And you could YouTube this commercial because yep. it's, it's, it's mm -hmm. famous. Mm -hmm. And it just shows you the colorism and the schemes, how it just manipulated and is infiltrated in every culture. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when you, um, Nita or, or Bianca, whoever wants to take this question, um, especially for women, it's really difficult, right? I can't hold you enough. Uh, men... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's difficult being dark-skin and light-skinned, but I've seen it with my sister. She's darker than I am, right? Mm. She's a dark-skinned woman, and they used to give it a compliment. You're really pretty for a black girl, mm -hmm. for a dark-skinned girl. Mm -hmm. Like, can dark-skinned people not be pretty? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Or you, you, you speak well for a person that looks like you. Mm -hmm. You sound like you're white. Like, mm -hmm. this, this, is the, this is the ideal thing, standard, like, to be a white person. So now, growing up... <laughs> In your um, whatever the, your your culture, how is that depicted? <laughs> I know it's so hard. I, I, I feel like I I need a like I wish I could grab words and just put it in my pocket <laughs> so I could pull it out again and use it. But I feel like um, to start off with that question, if you don't mind me starting off with that, I feel like it's it's hard for sure. Um, and I think in terms of how or you're pretty for a black girl things like that in my culture we have something like that as well um and, and it's so interesting because so we have something um that at least in so in my in the eastern islands and my dad's islands um and the other eastern islands uh, when they have this word called hitamanis mm. and it means black sweet and yes, and it's, and it's beautiful, it's right? Nice. When we when we use it against each other, they say Malukan girl, um, hitamanis, which means black sweet, and it's and it's beautiful. But when you go to the other parts of the other islands, it's it's so interesting because they'll they'll also use it to you, right? They'll say, oh, um, hitamanis. Yeah. But it, it's so interesting because when you're among your own, when you're amongst your own people and your own community, and you say it to each other, it's it's um it is beautiful, you know, mm -hmm. and it's acknowledging that. But at the same time, sometimes it when other people say it or other people from the other islands who are lighter tone or things like that, um, you often wonder if 
it was it creates some sort of um, othering mm -hmm. of your beauty and your standard of beauty, right? And so instead of so like you can consider someone who is of darkened skin tone, hitamanis, black sweet, or and then there's someone with a lighter skin tone, and you're like, oh, she's beautiful. But it's like you're beautiful in spite of your black skin, or we can all or darker skin tone, or we can all be beautiful, right? And so it's it's so interesting because I think the um, the islanders or the eastern side when they say it, it there's a uh, I think they're taking it back. It's a little bit more of an empowerment and um, something that is a compliment. But yet in certain parts of the islands, um, it's, and, and they're not, and that's the, I think that's the, um, how, how racism and colorism is so insidious sometimes because it's sneaky, yeah. you know, yeah. because people say, and they're, they're not trying to make any, any rude comment or anything like that. They're not trying to make you feel bad or anything. They are truly calling you beautiful. And yet your this color of your skin tone is, is still at the forefront of this compliment, mm -hmm. right? Like it's not just you're beautiful, it's that you're beautiful despite of your darker oh, skin wow. tone. Yeah. And um, and that create that's a, it's it's a little messy, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, Very messy. Especially for children, like you said, you know, it's really, really hard growing up in a community mm -hmm. where um, you, you're almost gaslighted. <laughs> it's, you're almost being gaslighted yep. into thinking that that's supposed to be a good thing. And yes, it is in certain circumstances, but then it's not in other ways too, especially when it's communicated in a certain way. Um, and then the other point that I wanted to touch on also is like um, the when the kids looked at the dolls and they were saying, oh, which one's the meaner looking one? Um, that's also very prevalent in my um, community and with my dad's story actually yeah. because um so my dad he he grew up in the Moluccan Islands he you know he was doing his thing and then his family because of job and work and things like that they moved more towards the western side Jakarta which is the bigger um city everyone goes there everyone loves it and it's amazing it's like a hustle bustle city everyone from other islands kind of come together um and in the um in the past or in the future right now, I've, I've used to talk to him about stories from the past. You know, uh, my dad, he's always been a very, very strong and tough person. And I'm like, oh yeah, no one can be my dad. No one can ever make him hurt or anything like that. And I'll hear stories from the past, which I don't want to share <laughs> because, you know, it's, it's um, he was, def he was, in a lot of situations where he was defending himself and he the stories that he the way he um talks about it is very you know like this is um this is what i did this is how i was you know and growing up i'm just like dang dad you're violent <laughs> that's a that's a lot of stuff that you're doing there you know that's crazy um and it wasn't until recently when i was able to have like a conversation we were just talking about stuff he just um he told me another story of my uh, another story from his past and i was like wow wow <laughs> there it is again you know i finally asked him were you always like this i mean were you always, you know, trying to exert pressure or anything like that? And um, his answer to me was that, no, I never, I will never do, I'm, I'm, nev I'm not a violent person. And uh, everything that I did was because I was defending myself or defending other people. Mm -hmm. and, and he was like, so when I was in the Moluccan Islands, um, I, I was never like this until I moved to the city. And so he said that when he was in the islands, it was easy and um, everyone looked like him. And when he moved to the city, um, there was a different population, right? People had different skin tones and anything like that. And so they started, he was actually bullied in the city when he was about 14 years old. And so when he was in school, um, they would comment on his Afro, they would comment on his dark skin tone, they'd call him monkey, gorilla, all these other things. They just kind of other him so much. And his family, my dad's family was so new to um, the city and this community that finally, as a young boy, he decided that he will never take that sort of backlash ever again. And in turn, um, mm -hmm. decided to exert more um, dominance over 
his space, his energy, his family. And so whenever anything happens, he will always fight back. But, you know, it, it's, it's kind of like this cycle of, you know, then they say, oh, wow, the Moluccans, the Ambonese yeah, people, yeah. like they're violent, they're yeah. this. But in a way, like you push this young boy to kind of, he right. didn't know what else to do, yeah. where it's like either he was going to be pushed like this and or he decides to stand up for himself and you know, figure it out. And I was, you know, when I was talking to him, obviously I got super teary eyed and I was telling him, I was like, dad, I wish yeah. I was with you back then. I wish I was already <laughs> born. I could help you and defend you too, because it's heartbreaking to hear that, especially what happens to children growing up, you know, mm -hmm. they, that psychological mm -hmm. damage. damage has long lasting effects. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Totally understand yeah. that. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was crazy as if he killed people or anything like that. Yeah. No, I think it was just like, you know, when you're younger and you get into a lot of fights yeah. right, and things right. like that, you know, um, and hearing those stories as a little kid, you're just kind of like, wow, you, you like to cause trouble, you know, you're a bad kid. But yeah. then his reasoning for that was, you know, it was really <laughs> mind blowing to me because I'm just like, oh, he didn't pick the fights. The fights came to him yeah, and he had right. to defend himself. And to right. do that, it was going to make him look like this violent child then mm -hmm. so be it because he had to defend his family because no one else looked like him mm -hmm. oh, wow. well in our hispanic community um many of the like like you mentioned at the beginning um the lighter skin uh color they were considered the most uh able the most mm. uh the ones that they can get the job the ones mm -hmm. that they can be in commercials or in mm -hmm. tv yeah. you know growing up in mexico i was like you know uh, watching TV, looking at this amazing models, you know, yeah. blue eyes, blonde yeah. hair and commercials in Mexico. And then when, when I started doing some research, it's like, where is she really from? They were from Brazil, from Venezuela. They were not even Mexicans, Mexican. but they mm. were representing these people wow. as Mexicans. Yeah. Like how a Mexican should look like. Mm -hmm. Even like um, uh, we have That's a famous crazy. artist, uh, Luis Miguel. I really thought that he was Mexican, but no, wow. he was from Spain. And, <laughs> and he was adopted wow. into Mexico. <laughs> have you heard him singing? like Luis Miguel oh he's like gosh. a super famous but he's not even Mexican um he was lying he was like uh telling people that he was Mexican and people believe it until you know the truth came sure. out and like hey, he's not even Mexican but you know he got adopted mm -hmm. and but later on so everybody was like you know this is how a handsome singer should look like wow. and you know of course and still look is like that in our Hispanic community people with lighter skin it's considered most intelligent, most mm. capable to get the job. Um, with darker skin, they're considered Indians. They're like uh, from an Indian background, mm -hmm. so they're just mixed. They're, they're lower, um, still like that. You know, growing up in Mexico, there was not a lot of colored people. So when an African-American or dark uh, uh, skin uh, person comes and tourists in Mexico, everybody just was like taking pictures with this person because it was very, very, very rare. But it was uh, very beautiful. But um, um, but yeah, and um, something important that I wanted to tell you that um, yeah, so dark skin color, dark skin color, uh, it's not very. Um, uh, you don't see it in, on TV in Mexico. They don't get like if you see people and CEOs, you don't see uh, people mm -hmm. with dark skin. They have lower chances to get there. Um, oh, another thing, growing up, mm -hmm. this was always mentioned at home. When you get married, you need to get married with someone lighter skin than oh you. Oh. Yes. Because the purpose is to make our family look better. Jeez. Mm -hmm. All the scenes growing, right? Yep, as a yeah. Did you grow up like time? that? That's it. Um, that, that's, that happened to me too. Like I, I dated a Hispanic woman and um, the, one of the things is I'm just like, well, coming from New York is, is kind of different. Um, 
everyone, you're Hispanic, you're black kind of thing, right? Um, but th- there was like certain, like especially if you're Puerto Rican, Dominican, yeah. um, Mexican, it's just like, okay, we're all yeah. in the same, cool. But if it was um, like outside of that, it's like, well, I can't date with you because you're too dark because my father and mother, mm. like it's not a thing. So I'm just like, wow. Um, it hit me different coming, uh, leaving New York and hearing that. I was just like, but you're Hispanic. Like, I thought we were all black kind of thing. Because mm. New York City and, and Brooklyn mm. is just like a mix of people that is just, I was just raised around um, Hispanics and black people. So it was just like coming outside of that. I was just, I started meeting white people and uh, more whiter Hispanic people. And it's just like, they had that mindset. And it's just, it's detrimental, right? Yeah. It de- it's detrimental to, to the human race. Um, yeah. And my question is, especially as a, a Christian, how, how does that impact us, right? Spe- like, even now, we have a colonized version of Jesus. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it took so long for me to understand that Jesus is not white. Mm-hmm. And that thing, when, they, when I actually found that out, I was like, that was mind-blowing. Why is Jesus white? Like, I'm in a, a French-speaking church, a Haitian-speaking church, and there's a, there's a white Jesus in the background of, of the baptismal pool. Right, yep, I hear you. Like, yes, everywhere I go, it would be like a, a white. Like I go to a Hispanic church, there's a white Jesus with blue I, eyes, with blonde hair, like the mm-hmm. same kind yes. of concept of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, how does that affect us as as Christians? And you, anyone could take that question. I, those depictions growing up with the white Jesus, you know, because we grew up with the white Jesus. Because mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> if you look at the definition of what white is. And just the just the color itself, and then the definition of any of brown or black or whatever, could there ever be a brown Jesus or a black Jesus based on what the definitions are? Mm. You know, it doesn't fit. You know, because for some reason society puts like the color black, like my my pants are black, or something. You know that that's evil or bad or right. or contrary. White is pure. It's it's genuine. It's it's unstained. You know, and so. I don't want to cut you off for that. You just made me think about something. Like, especially in movies, like when they have like a good character, they're always in white. They have a bad character, they're always in black. I was just like, that's a trend. But continue. (laughs) No, but it's true though. That is definitely true. So you know, if who do they have as like the villains or the or the servants in like in certain movies? Who are the ones that are pushing the go karts or whatever throughout Mm. the cities in these? in these big cities, it's usually a darker skinned person, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and those, those depictions, those images, um, especially for a white Jesus or a black Jesus, you know, or brown Jesus or Jewish Jesus or whatever, you know, Jesus is Jesus. And we're all created in his image, right? No matter what color we are, right. you know, no matter what ethnic background we come from, you know, he is who he is and he's not going to judge us by you know oh well you're a dark-skinned black person or or a light-skinned mexican woman or an indonesian woman from the eastern part of the islands you know what i'm saying (laughs) it's not going to be that way it is so not going to be that way so the implications are for you know if we continue to look at each other and do this hierarchy of color you know we can't put jesus in that hierarchy of color because there's no hierarchy with him it It, there isn't Mm -hmm. You know, right just today, I was teaching Bible to my freshman class, mm-hmm. January 2022. Mm-hmm. I show them a picture and how uh, National Geographic and all, you know, they think that Jesus was, was really was a picture of Jesus. They were surprised. 
like what jesus didn't have blue eyes and long hair like are you serious this is 2022 and they still think they still think that jesus is it was just like that he was blonde handsome and i said i didn't know that he was not that handsome you know like yeah i was like yeah it's a it's it's sad that even today we have to teach kids different yeah you know and even the fact that oh we know that jesus was you know according to the bible he was born in the middle east you know in a rinky dink little town right you know and it would be hard to hide him in egypt if he's white hair blue eyes if egypt is in africa um exactly (laughs) no but you're you're absolutely right and i think images and where they came from the you know the ideology that jesus is this um i think man created jesus in man's own image you know and therefore to make man more comfortable made jesus the way he wanted to see jesus and and that's why there's all these forces of of evil against us fighting against you know who's better or who's worse you know the sudanese people and they're like almost as dark as my pants and they're Mm. beautiful people but oh my goodness you know Mm -hmm. the the treatment that they get Mm -hmm. versus someone who's coming from norway from the mountains you know and how they get treated so we have to stop that because it's it's very divisive Mm -hmm. and we're unable to see ourselves as um you know brothers and sisters if we can't if we have these hierarchies and we build these images the create these images for our mm-hmm. own self of beauty right. and what beauty is um because god created beauty beauty he is beauty right. and because mm-hmm. we're created in his image male or female we are beautiful that. you know so yeah. no matter our skin tone you know or the cities we grew up in the islands we grew up in the countries we grew up in we have to say you know what when these things present itself these it rears its ugly head like the colorism or even racism or whatever we've got to be intentional about interrupting you know those damaging um words or images you know that have caused us decades to get over you know Mm -hmm. and start repairing and mending you know um the bridges that have caused division but you have to call it what it is when it presents itself Mm -hmm. that's true and then you have to say, now that you know what it is, get rid of our biases, and you have to start working toward, you know, unity. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's so interesting, um, in, in comment of what you were saying earlier about man making um, Jesus in, you know, their image, because in a way that's also kind of, when we're when little kids and us, you know, growing up and things like that, I feel like that's where it becomes a little, the jarring head of, um, colorism comes in and it's and it's it is jarring growing up as a child you know you talk about these things as in um yes jesus is made in our image and you look at him and it's like but that's not me and but yeah it's like mm-hmm. jesus is associated with especially because when you're looking at white jesus right fairness um being saved everything else that we think of and then um and in and then whiteness as whiteness is just yeah as as it becomes the standard of what human is, you know? Um, we look at, we project whiteness as this concept of being fair, beautiful, and all these things. And in the end, it's like, 
that's the standard of what a human should look like if that's the image of God. And then growing up, it's kind of, it's jarring to see that because then all of a sudden you are dehumanizing yourself without even realizing it because you're like, exactly. I don't even see myself in this image, you know? Yep. Exactly. Am I, can I be saved too? That's definitely, you hit that on, on the point. And another key thing that I would like to highlight is that um, as Willie Lynch was divide and conquer, Satan used that same tool. We're all created in God's image, right? But mm -hmm. yet we're here to say, well, I'm team dark skin, I'm team light skin. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I look better because I'm fairer or I'm darker. Whatever the case might be, it's, it causes division where we're all part of that body of Christ. We all, um, he, we all were created in his, in God's image. So I look like this, God looks like this. But if we just have this depiction of, of, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're sex, um, well, not, let, let me not change that. If we all have a, this colonized version of Christ, <laughs> it's just, it brings division, um, especially, like, there could be a, a white Christ, there could be a um, brown Christ, but if, if globally, <laughs> like, Jesus is known as to be a white man, it, it just causes the division and the hierarchy and classism. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we need to break down within our communities, because this is colorism is uh, is attacking our community. It's, it's these things that we prejudice against people that looks different within our community. Yes. So if we break that down, we could actually become together, become one, and do what God actually wants us to do. Uh, one of the things that I, I definitely want to um, touch on before we um, simmer down is the social media um the marketplace as you mentioned like the the beauty things the, the 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 beauty supplies that make your skin fairer the beauty things that like billion dollar industry is true like um there's a, a lot of celebrities that you get once seen them um with dark skin tone and now they look so totally different mm -hmm. like michael jackson was one of them <laughs> sammy sosa right now i don't like that he's one of them like <laughs> it's crazy if you <laughs> like the day and night yeah, kind of aspect yeah. of it and what are your takes on that especially with social media and the products that are um, out there well what I've seen most recently is um, British Vogue I believe the magazine the British Vogue magazine did a cover of um, I think it was maybe eight or nine um, South Sudanese models mm. Beautiful women. I mean, their skin was midnight ebony. Mm. Beautiful women. I was like wowed. And then it came out um, that they were the British Vogue magazine was getting some backlash because they found out that they were somehow I don't know what you call it airbrushed <laughs> the women's skin to make it darker. And then they were wow. they were. Um, hmm upset because the women didn't wear their natural hair. They had weaves or wigs or whatever mm. in their hair and didn't allow the women to wear their natural mm. hair. And so they said, well, is this a true depiction of who they are? If either lightening or darkening their skin, like they do with a lot of these other women like Beyonce or Gabrielle Union or whomever you see, <laughs> they lighten their skin so they're more presentable mm. to the public. Go figure that. But in this case, it was different, you know? And so they got a lot of backlash for that. Um, and even in Jamaica, the skin lightening, mm -hmm. some women have become very sick mm -hmm. because they're using these creams or whatever yeah. to lighten their skin so they're more pretty or presentable or mm -hmm. desirable. Mm -hmm. You know, so again, it's that 
that psychological damage that has been done because of, you know, colonial beauty and mm -hmm. what, a, what that means for women of color, men of color. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I feel like in Indonesia was something that I was frustrated for sure was um, just these unrealistic beauty standards and the skin whitening and the skin lightening, you yeah. know, um, I feel like um, my biggest frustration is that I feel we've been colonized for 350 plus years. Um, we got our independence back and whoop de woo. That's awesome and amazing. But yet you're still you may not be colonized physically, but yet you're still colonized mentally. And mm. I cannot, yeah, yep. I cannot deal with that fact because I don't understand. It's just, it's really tough, you know, because, because it's, again, it's, it's not this big, obvious, um, country leading you over or anything like that, but it's little things like that, you know, from the media and what is presented as what's beautiful. Um, my aunt recently <laughs> just sent me, um, a little Instagram post. And it was, and she was really proud of it. Um, it was this Indonesian girl and she did, she was like the forefront of this research. And um, I was like, oh wow, research, amazing. That's super, super awesome. We wanna be proud for our people, you know, if you're out there doing cool things. Um, I looked at the post in her study and it was, um, she, she found a way to lighten your skin without the use of products. And my aunt was like, isn't this amazing? And um, luckily I'm not 12 anymore. <laughs> so I, I've learned how to, um, be able to stand up for myself nice. as at the same time, you know what I mean? And I, and the thing is like, again, it's not like she's trying to say that to make a comment or to say something um, in that way, but I think it's it's so ingrained mentally that it doesn't see, she doesn't see it as anything bad. It's a success, right? Like, wow, this person's doing a great thing for our country, she represents us, it's amazing. And I had to sit there and be like, nope, it's not that great. That's not a good study that she's doing. That's really bad. That's She shouldn't be studying that because you shouldn't be looking for different ways to do yeah. this you know and when I, I don't know what's going on back in Indo right now in terms of that study but I don't know if it's being if she's seeing it this way and other family members are seeing it the same way right yeah. and so it really affects a lot of us because right now even Definitely. you still see it as something that they want to do yeah uh, as soon as I arrived to San Francisco from Mexico City at the age of 18 I got my first comment saying go back to your country. Mm. I went back home and I told my aunts and then she said and then they said it's uh, something that you should do and all Hispanic women do here. They change the color of their hair to lighter. Mm. Mm. So if you can change your skin, you should change your hair. So mm -hmm. because the color of your hair and your skin, if they're lighter, they might accept it you more. Mm. Wow. And wow. as a culture change and the shock that I had at the, right at the beginning, because I was also learning English and I had a lot of mm -hmm. uh, trouble and a lot of, it was a, a whole, it was another story, but uh, I mm. did that. Yeah. At the age of 18, I started like dyeing my hair and mm -hmm. blonde, almost white, just mm -hmm. to be able to match and to get accepted, to accepted uh, yeah. in the city. Yeah. If you see many ladies, many Hispanic ladies, they do that here in the States. They yeah. change their, their hair color mm -hmm. and it's beautiful. Dark is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Brown is beautiful, but they do it because they want to be accepted by mm -hmm. society and by high school, you know, uh, it, it mm -hmm. have better experiences. But yeah, they do that. And that's part of co um, code switching. You know, yeah. because I remember back then with a lot of black men, you know, going into the work into the workplace with like an afro or with, you know, dreadlocks. And a, yes, I'm saying dreadlocks, um, mm -hmm. you know, is a big no, no, because yeah. that's mm -hmm. scary. 
you know, who do you think you are? Mm. Are you, you know, coming in with, you know, all power to the people with your Afro, mm. you know, with your dreadlocks, that's scary. You know, what are you doing, smoking marijuana? So there's all kind of connotations with how our hair is supposed to look. You know, black women, if I didn't straighten my hair, I remember one time in the workplace, um, I wore my hair out, just, you know, wash and go, a natural look. And my boss is like, oh, that's different. I'm like, yeah, it is. You know? And because I didn't like flat iron it today, I just let it go. And she's like, oh, it's so curly. I'm like, yeah, it is. It's this my is natural me. hair. And I was trying so hard not to be sarcastic, you know, but it wasn't working very well. Why does it do that? I'm like, what do you mean, why does it do that? No, I'm, I am kid you not she's like why why does it get so curly like that i'm like it's because of the way my hair grows oh, yeah, right out yeah. of my head from the day i was born she didn't just, attempt to touch it right girl <laughs> I, no yeah. hallelujah she did not <laughs> no thank thank god that did not happen mm. that would have been a different outcome mm -hmm. but it, it those are the things that we have to try to you know re introduce people to what beauty mm -hmm. is and it's not in their image nice yeah. yeah and did you want to say something else because i wanted to read a scripture yeah yeah this would um, be the last thought anyways because i don't want to yeah before i forget and uh -huh. this scripture i think pulls together how we're supposed god wants us to be unified as brothers and sisters mm -hmm. and i have learned from you because I didn't know, you know, about all those things in Indonesia, you know, and Mel the Melanesian, the Melanesian islands. I had no idea, you know, and from you, Nitsa, as well. Like, we all have something to learn from each other. And, you know, no matter where we're from, regardless of our skin tones, good grief, I can't believe it's still an issue. You know, um, John 17, 23 says this. It says, may they meaning us, all of us, be brought into complete unity to let the world know that you have sent me and have loved them mm. even as you have loved me. Nice, uh, I like that. So, what's at stake here? Colorism leads to what? Division. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. And this was saying the opposite. It said to what? Be Bring unified. unified. Yep. And, Absolutely. And that's, and that's what we want to um, teach you all in this podcast. Uh, please do the research and definitely be mindful of certain things that you might just um, say, uh, I guess, without thinking, because it does play an impact, especially um, to different cultures, uh, to different people. And we just need to do better because we are here to be one people <laughs> uh, that serves one God so we could actually continue to bring actual light into this world we're not supposed to be um, so divided because once you're divided you get conquered easily so let's just bring back unity within ourselves and within God because he doesn't do this whole division thing so Amen. hope you enjoy the podcast and thank you ladies for being being here with us and thank you so much and speaking your truth we appreciate Absolutely. you <laughs> thank you thank you